Hello, and welcome to the One Trust Talks Tech podcast. This is episode number 29, recorded on January 29th, 2024. My name is Roger Dean, and I work on the product team here at One Trust, and I'm the host of this podcast. Today's episode will focus on the roadmap for the OneTrust platform, and I'm joined by Evan Bates, who is the Director of Product Management for our core and platform services. As always, just a quick reminder that this podcast reflects OneTrust's current expectations for product capabilities. Be advised that dates and features may be subject to change and should not be relied upon when making purchasing decisions. Before we get started with Evan, I just wanted to let everyone know that we've posted the first of many release feature overview videos on My OneTrust. You can find this by logging into My One Trust, clicking on the product updates in the top menu, and then clicking on release videos. This first video covers the tier two features that were released in the 2024 01.2.0 release as public preview. Okay, now I'd like to uh, invite Evan Bates, who's a director of our product and our platform team to join us and talk about Roadmap. Welcome to the podcast, Evan. Thanks, Roger, glad to be here. I'm happy to have you. So let's talk a bit about the plat. Well, let's start off by saying, you know, when I say platform, what is what what is the platform with OneTrust? Because we've got privacy, we've got GRC, we've got all these. But what is platform? Yeah. So platform overall is how all the different programs that we support in OneTrust um, collaborate and work together. So this includes many things. So things that you may actually end up thinking are very specific to your specific program and things that are pretty obvious. So some areas of this would be, you know, access management is also included in the platform. And then you'd also find things like basic attribute managers or uh, automation workflows. Uh, those sort of things end up being um, additional capabilities that um, the programs that you're using are also leveraging the platform already Though you may think that it's a very bespoke thing for you as a program, it's actually shared and reused across other different programs. Uh, okay, so like how a workflow functions is, you know, we have those in all of our products. So, but that's really kind of a platform service that everyone uses the same the same engine in essence to drive that, and that's kind of what that's what you're you're in charge of. Yes, exactly. Okay. And I know in the past we've had issues where things act differently in different parts of the program across the board. And so and I think that's a big effort of ours is to make sure that like tables look the same and workflows act the same across all the products, not just, and, and that's basically taking advantage of the services that are in the platform, correct? Yep. That's right, Roger. Okay. So we have an active effort this year uh, to make sure that all the implementations of uh, those platform capabilities are delivering a consistent experience regardless of the module or the program that you're trying to drive internally as a customer. Makes sense, makes sense. Okay, cool. So now moving on to kind of, that's one of the roadmap items obviously, but what are some of the other big themes and, and, and roadmap items that you're working on for coming quarter, coming year? Yeah, so so we have a few. I'll just, I'll list some of them off and then uh, we can dive into whichever one interests you the most. Sounds so great. We we have a personalized user experience. And so at a high level, what I mean by this, this is um, how someone is engaging with the tool and so that it feels like it um, knows who they are and what they want to accomplish within the OneTrust application. Um, more control over... Um, how your program as a program administrator is run and who has access to it. 
Um, improved integrations in the sense that they're just easier to use so that you, if as a non-developer, yeah. <laughs> have the ability to go in and automate things within your program without having to engage a developer or someone internally in the OneTrust team. Okay. And then we have uh, program stability. So this um, is essentially how do you control updates into your system or at least have the ability to review them from OneTrust as an external source. And then separately, your own internal teams, how do you control their own development without impacting the things that you already have in production. Wow, that's a lot. I guess we could, I mean, all of those are really interesting. Let's start with the first and the, the personalization. Like, how is that going to manifest itself out from, you know, someone who's a privacy professional or someone who's the, the risk person? How, 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 I can't even imagine how we would actually do that and kind of help them get through their job easier and, and more efficiently. Yeah, so we're looking right now and doing some research on um, as program owners, you know, entering the tool from either privacy, security, ethics, ESG, what are the general outcomes that they're looking to achieve when they're in those roles and have them tell us what they're actually trying to achieve, which will allow us to suggest the best and optimal path in order to achieve that which should simplify where do you need to go in the application to do these things and what sort of steps you might need to complete in order to achieve your goal. With the additional, um, I'm going a little bit and I didn't touch on this before, with the additional need of um, some of these particular outcomes require a level of program management. And so we'll also be evaluating as you're trying to achieve those outcomes what level of program management do you need in the tool to assign and manage tasks that you're assigning globally? And do you even want to use OneTrust for that at all? Mm. You might be using something like Jira. And how can we facilitate that in the outcome you're looking to achieve? Makes sense. So I know I've heard a lot of like, I, I'm just new to privacy and I'm trying to set up a privacy program. How do I get started? Do you, is that part of this where that that sort of functionality you described where tell us what you want to do and we'll kind of guide you is that is that a little bit of what you're talking about kind of a guided experience for people who maybe are not so advanced or just getting into privacy or risk or whatever and they're trying to establish uh, a very very simple program yeah that's right so some of the questions in this would be are you trying to manage a particular requirement for a country Yep. Or are you trying to manage overall risk between a few different specific things, such as um, uh, bribery, right? And so we'd say, okay, well, bribery has very different things that you need to do versus something if you're trying to comply with some sort of ethics law in a country. Uh, right. Those are two very different things that we both support but they're just in different parts of the application. And so the more that we know of what someone's trying to achieve, the better we're armed to be able to support those individuals in sending them to the right places and helping them through that Got process. it. Um, and would that be done through like some sort of wizard up front or what, what's the vision on and how we would do that? It would just be, would it be like a bot that would pop up and say, hey, do you need help? Or how, how are you envision that happening? 
Yeah. So um, first time user experience, a, a lot of different applications that, you know, if you're engaging with other software, yeah. uh, do ask more questions up front about you as an individual. While this won't be like personal information that we're looking for, um, we do plan to ask some of that information and then allow you to go back to it and engage with it. Um, more than likely on your homepage, but some of this is still in research phase. Got so it. we don't have all the answers right. to these things. Yeah, so sign of like some of those tax programs when you start to file, like, did you do this, do this, and and just kind of guide you through that for those people who, who aren't that familiar with it. That sounds really interesting. Um, is the I, I've heard a lot about the navigation stuff potentially changing. Is that going to help with this? Uh, yes, it will. So as a part of things like uh, managing an entire privacy program, uh, today when we've been engaging with people who are managing an entire privacy portfolio, um, if you look at the launcher today, they end up being very segmented. And there's many areas within the user journey of them needing to be more connected. So I'll give a very brief example in the sense of, you know, if you're trying to comply with GDPR, connecting that with um, some areas where we're building where you can manage an initiative for GDPR, you may end up looking at a task within let's say the privacy domain, while also then needing to navigate to the incident module. Mm. And so generally today, this takes you away from where you might've been working and brings you to somewhere else without the context to be able to go back and forth. Right. And so a lot of our navigation is gonna be looking to consolidate these things that are related use cases and support one another so that they're all located next to each other. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that'd be really helpful. Instead of trying to find a, an option in a menu you've never been in, it's going to be presented to you right there as, as something that's easy accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Exactly. And then additionally, if it's something you might not be doing, you'll also have it right next to the thing that you might be doing to comply with DSAR requests. And it will surface to you as well. Oh, well, it looks like incident is also generally used as a part of the part of a privacy program and that might be a next thing that you would be able to then implement in order to expand your maturity that makes sense so, yeah that's great yeah absolutely take more advantage of the product that you may not even know you need or know is there yeah that's awesome yeah. um let's talk a little bit about integrations and uh that's one of my favorite topics as being a former programmer and using apis a lot and i love the power of integrations i'm not sure if a lot of people know about integrations and what they can do. And so maybe this this change you're talking about is really intriguing to me. Can we talk a little bit about like how can you use like natural language to help people get started with integrations? Yeah, so um, one of the things we want to introduce in integrations is first and foremost, we recognize that um, a lot of our integrations today and even our automation rules are challenging for everyday uh, business users to be able to use. Um, and so in order to help extend those capabilities out to more people and essentially make it easier for you to be able to manage them, mm -hmm. uh, create them, um, copy them, in a very quick amount of time, we want to be able to move towards natural language. So essentially, 
that it's written in a sentence format so that when you revisit it again, it's very, it, it is essentially, it looks like you would actually say it. And it allows you to then uh, not have to think through the whole flow before you even start. All these options are presented to you in, in a sentence-based structure that makes sense and provides you the right dropdowns to also display all the options and additional functionality you can do with automation today, which you might not even know because it's just not presented in a way that's really easily digestible. Got it. Got it. So if I were, let's say I were wanting to integrate my um, my system with Salesforce or MailChimp or something that I could just go into the integrations and type in, I need to integrate, integrate my uh, consent receipts with blah, blah, blah. And then it would it would pick that up and it would prompt me and then it would go ahead and hopefully generate what's needed to do that integration. Yeah, exactly. And and some other things we're looking to explore too um, is also the ability to use um, like open API, like chat chat GPT technology right. in the context of just ask us what sort of workflow you want to do. I want to listen to a consent receipt that's been updated when that update occurs i want to send it to my salesforce system mm -hmm. we have enough context within the one trust application and in your account in order to build a, at least a workflow outline for you that you can then review to see if it's accurate and just publish it so this would eliminate all the need to do any custom coding mapping certain attributes to attributes in one trust right. to salesforce right. all this stuff can be done through tech ai technology today. and i'd assume that once it's kind of built then i could go in and tweak it and edit it if i wanted to get in there and do the nitty-gritty stuff once it's built but getting it built and getting it started is usually the tricky part that's the hard part yeah we want yeah. to fix that part. yeah yeah <laughs> i bet and hopefully a lot more people will take advantage of the integrations engine that we've got it's because it's not intimidating and much easier to use. I don't have to go hire a programmer or hire one trust professional services or whatever to actually go do that. Yep, exactly. Yeah, perfect. Nice. Um, did you mention sandboxes and, and talking about that? Or what was the last thing you talked about? Yeah, I did. Um, so there's a, there's a couple things related to this in the problem area of us trying to simplify two different aspects of change. Um, so there's changes from OneTrust producing new content and use cases that help support your programs so that you can be more mature or um, uh, support different types of programs. And in addition to that, there's um, external changes that you might be making to your programs based off of requests from your own internal stakeholders or external uh, forces from just yeah regulatory people whatever legislation or, yeah 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 standards and frameworks being updated etc. Um, and so in order to help manage those, we have we have two different things that we're looking to um, uh, deliver to customers. One of those is sandboxes, and this particular flow is copying your entire production account creating a replica of that it, as a sandbox where you can log into it from your production account to your sandbox. Um, some of the 
benefits in it too is it will copy over integrations it will also copy over things like api keys while not keeping the actual token and authentication of it but so that you can replace it with your external systems um, so you can essentially have uh, replica credentials of um, you have your test setup that was copied from production in your test account and you also have it in production they don't wipe each other so you have the production key and test key and so you can actually implement I want to build an integration on my sandbox. I'm ready to then promote it to production because we tested it right. on a lower environment, et cetera. And we so, know, we know so, what it's going to do. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And not like no, no specific data is copied in that as well. So assessment responses or any of that stuff is copied. It's really just configurations and templates and maybe some authorization information. Yep, exactly. Yeah. We did... We did our best to eliminate all areas of PII. Essentially, it's only configuration. Right. Anything that's submit submitted via like a like a text input field is automatically excluded from any nice. sort of copy. Nice. And this is also going to be really helpful. And this may have been where you're going is like the whole thing I'm working on with the new release release features and release format is when a feature comes out in public preview, we're we're going to be adding and I'm stealing your thunder, maybe, we're going to be adding the ability in the product to have customers be able to turn those features on and off in public preview. And doing that in that sandbox would be a great way for people to be able to test those features out in a non-production environment to make sure, see what the impact is. Do they need to retrain people? Do they need to redo their documentation? Does it really work like it? Is it going to help me or whatever before it actually goes, goes GA? Yeah, exactly. And um, we're looking to have those sort of features available three months before they go generally available. Right. So everyone will have time for those really large features to really have the opportunity to say, this is great or this is bad and tell us why. Yeah. Not, yeah. It's not intentional that we make a mistake, but everyone as humans sometimes <laughs> makes mistakes. Make and so we can only be better with people having the opportunity to tell us how we can. Absolutely. And, and let's hope that doesn't happen. But I think just that fact, I've heard so many times from customers, like you keep throwing features at us and these features are disruptive, but they change the way I do my business. They, I have to retrain all my employees, so on and so forth. While they like the feature in general and it's a good thing to have it, it's just very disruptive. So having that three month period where they can actually, where you can actually turn it on in a sandbox play with it, look at it, see how it works with your configurations, and then be able to update documentation or retrain employees before it actually is is turned on by default, I think is going to be very, very helpful for a lot of people. So looking really looking forward to that. Um, was there, there was one other thing I think you mentioned, or there, there was one other thing you're, you're nailing it, Roger. So um, we do have some enhancements to our uh, access management, access management. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, so one of the things, as um, as many of you may have already encountered, when you have multiple programs that are uh, existing simultaneously in your application, it can be a little bit challenging for customers to be able to segment and know that appropriate access is being managed within that specific program. We know that people have sensitive data and want to know that that data is secure, even across their own internal teams. And so what we're looking to do with access management is twofold. Uh, 
providing additional global attributes that allow you to segment by program. So you can classify, let's say, an assessment template or a submitted assessment from the self-service portal as a privacy submitted assessment versus a uh, security incident. Mm -hmm. And so you'd be able to then look at your particular list of assessments if you are a privacy person and have confidence that someone from your security team can't see those privacy assessments and vice versa. And so that extensibility will be across the entire platform in the sense of we'll be able to establish owners of those programs who can appropriately manage access to the resources that are tagged with their particular program. Got it. Okay. That sounds amazing. And is this related to the whole new roles and custom roles and, and all of that? Um, or is that kind of the same thing? So, so they are connected. Um, we are establishing that the, that generally the, the workspaces that we're creating um, are also aligned to, to programs and there should generally be the same mapping of programs to workspaces. Now, that's not always the case. And I just want to clarify that a little bit just due to the fact that some instances have a security program that's in a different region mm -hmm. versus another. And so we will have the ability for us to segment more granularly mm. while our workspaces may still be very, well, this is a security workspace you might have that same security team that you divided US and let's say Europe, right? They would still work in the same workspace, but based off of permissions, they wouldn't, they wouldn't they look, segregated. They wouldn't see each other's stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's always bad if, you know, you don't want someone from the US seeing somebody from Europe's personal information or anything like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of stuff. So uh, when's all this going to be ready? Tomorrow? Ha. Huh. <laughs> Is this uh, this is like all coming in the next uh, next twelve to twenty four months? I would assume. Yeah. So a majority of the stuff that we talked about today, we hope to have out in the hands of customers uh, in the next twelve months. I think the only thing that you know uh, gives me pause on giving more confidence in that is we are trying to do better at not just throwing features out to customers as fast as possible. Right. Yep. Um, and so in certain of those instances, some of these things may end up being in private preview for three months and public preview for three months. And so therefore, it might be done and ready in private preview in the next 12 months, but there might be a little bit of a delay getting it fully generally available while it might you know, right. be available in public preview. Right. So I would just ask everyone to keep their eye out in public preview. Uh, you should hopefully see all these things. That sounds awesome. Soon. And yeah, that's another another concern or complaint or feedback that I've gotten as well is, you know, make sure it's ready and done when it's released. So we want to make sure that you know it's coming and when it gets there, it's done, it's ready, it's it's complete and it's been tested. It's not just half-baked. So that's, it may take a little more time for sure, but in the end, it'll be much better. Um, that all sounds awesome, Evan. Thank you so much for joining. Any Any closing thoughts or anything? I know you've covered a lot, maybe not. Before we drop, um, my my closing thought is I really, as a whole platform team, really want to make the experience of um, scaling for enterprise customers and their ability to collaborate with one another and share all the resources 
so that they don't have to do duplicate work such as inventory and other areas of the platform in a place where it feels like everyone is comfortable with sharing the things they want to share, but keeping the things that they don't want to share. Yeah, makes sense. And so making all of that easy um, for people to not feel like it's their job in administrating the platform and actually going through and doing all the compliance exercises that they actually are there to do. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's no fun to have a job to do. And then the tools you're using to do the job are, are also a burden. It's like, let's make that easy and fun and easy to do. And, and so you can enjoy the tools you use. That's really awesome. Thanks again for joining Evan. I really appreciate all this great feedback. Thanks, Roger. Thanks for having me. All right. That's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, we've got a lot of big stuff coming up. We've got our winter release coming out in a couple of weeks in February. So we'll have a big episode about that. And also another feature release overview video will be posted to my one trust. Thanks a lot to Evan for joining me and giving us all that great insight into the platform core services roadmap. Really appreciate it. If you have any feedback, comments, or requests, please email me at podcast at onetrust.com. And we will be back again next week, hopefully with another product manager to focus on a few more roadmap items. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you next week.